Okay, I've got to tell you, I'm, I am feeling a little bit of the tension right now of knowing that there's some things prepared here that I want to say, but also knowing that we are trying to be sensitive uh, to this weather that we have. And I've, I've got different people scattered throughout uh, the auditorium, and Mark Davis is going to be standing at the back, and if it really starts, he's going to start doing this number. And I'm saying, okay, we're, we're done. Um, wow. It has been a crazy few days, hasn't it? Uh, just not with the Christmas itself, but uh, with the weather and what we have experienced from 80 degrees to this and everything in between. But there's a lot of difference between today and last Sunday. If you were here last Sunday, Tommy stood here and he said, it's December 20th. And we kind of took a poll. How does that make you feel to know that it's December 20th? It's almost Christmas. And, and for some of us, we were going, I should probably start shopping. Um, others of you had everything done. You were ready to go. Um, but today, we say it's December 27th. And that brings a whole different sense of emotions and feelings and what has to be done and what doesn't have to be done. There is such a difference between last Sunday and this Sunday. Um, and so, uh, just a little bit, I began thinking about the difference in the two. Um, and I came across, I actually didn't come across, I looked for it. This is the ultimate Christmas countdown checklist. Now some of you have these things and you, you are well planned out. This checklist tells us what to do three to six months before Christmas. Um, make a family plan for Christmas. If you're going somewhere, buy the plane tickets. Um, two months before Christmas, put all of your activities on the calendar and start baking things you can freeze. I'm sure some of you did all of this. Um, update your holiday card list. Shop for cards and wrapping paper. Make plans for overnight guests. Six weeks before, make a master gift list. Make a budget. Start Christmas shopping in earnest. Six weeks before. <laughs> uh, yeah. One month before or directly after Thanksgiving, do any online shopping. I thought online shopping was what you did when you waited until the last minute, and that's the only way you can get it. Wrap gifts as you buy them. Um, take stock of your decorations, start addressing holiday cards, three weeks out, buy a live tree, decorate, finalize menu, order a turkey or a ham, two weeks before, shop for non-perishable items, one week before, deep clean your house and buy batteries for children's toys. That's important. Um, let's see, uh, three days before, shop for fresh ingredients and set the table. Really? Three days before? Two days before, start cooking. The day before, recharge the batteries on your cameras. Finish the last-minute wrapping. Um, and then finally, sit back and relax. Um, does that sound like what happened with most of you? Um, actually, by the way, by this list, what I'm guessing is there are people that are already pre preparing for next year. They've already got their Christmas lights up. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know, we, we seem to get 
on this track where we are just rushing down the road and just barreling towards Christmas and, and Christmas music is playing earlier and earlier and we're just barreling down and faster and faster and everything's building up to it and uh, the phone calls are made and people are coming in and shopping's made and we got the wrong gift. I did that several times and I had to go exchange gifts before I gave them uh, but we're just rushing up to Christmas and we get there and it's Christmas Day and it's Christmas night and then it's the 26th. Huh. And now what? When I was a kid, I always loved Christmas. But when I was a kid, I would get so excited about Christmas and be so excited about all the decorations and everything and rushing up to Christmas that actually by the time I got to about the 23rd or 24th, I couldn't enjoy it because Christmas was almost over and it hadn't even begun. But you know, we even did that right here at Johnson Street in this room. On Wednesday nights in December, we came together and we sang songs about Jesus coming and we anticipated. And last week, Tommy and I loved it. I love the imagery. He stood at this table, and we always talk about this being the table of the Lord. And he said, today, this is the table of anticipation. Wednesday nights, we, that last Wednesday night of winter song, we had all the kids here in their pajamas, and they sang, and we took pictures. It was so cute. Just a little bit before that, we had Christmas at the cafe over there, and we sang songs, and we ate stuff, and we anticipated, and we waited. We anticipated the coming Christ. And so here we sit on the 27th of December, and we say, Now what? I believe these passages in Isaiah help give us an idea of now what. Now, I want to tell you that actually in my notes, we're going to be, I have that we're talking about stuff from Isaiah, all of Isaiah 61 and part of Isaiah 62. We're not doing all that. That's not going to be possible as we try to streamline just a little bit this morning. But if you get, begin in Isaiah 61... And we read, the Spirit of the, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted. And those words, for some of us, we go, I, I've heard that before, I think. And maybe you go, I know exactly where I've heard that. And it's Jesus at the temple in Luke chapter 4 where he takes the scroll and he reads these words and he says, Today, this has been fulfilled. And so in Isaiah 51, we get a sense of the anticipating and the prophecy of the coming Christ. And Jesus said, it's time. As we move on down in Isaiah 61, we see there what the, the prophecy of Christ. And then we see what Christ is going to do. And he says to proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we see all that Jesus, as he comes, we see what he's going to do. But more than that, we get a sense of what we are supposed to do. What are we supposed to do with this coming Christ, with this Christ who has put on skin, read, 
Thank you for those words this morning. This, this God who put on skin and dwelt among us. He's, we're not just anticipating anymore. He's here. He's among us. What do we do with this Jesus? How does it change how we live? With Christmas, now we have to think about what do we do with all those leftovers? What do we do with all the decorations? What do we do with that sweater that I got that I really don't like? But I'm going to... Nobody gave me a sweater. That didn't happen. We think about what we're going to do there. But what do we do with this Jesus that has come? This one we anticipated. This one who for years had been prophesied about coming. What do we do now that he has come and he has dwelt among us? And by his spirit he has empowered us. What do we do? This is what we do. Read on down in Isaiah 61. What do the people of God do? First of all, they'll be called oaks of righteousness. Because of Jesus, because he has dwelt among us, we will become righteous people. We will be called to build up the ancient ruins and to raise up the former devastations. We shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. We as the people of God who have anticipated this coming Christ, we see what he's going to do, now he calls us to do something. He calls us to be people who rebuild, who restore. He called us to be people who are devoted to reconciliation, to mercy and justice and peace. He doesn't call us just to sit and do nothing. He calls us to participate in the very ministry of Jesus Christ. It's not about a one-day Christmas experience. It's about a lifetime of being empowered to live in the way of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to kind of take a break right here in the middle of the sermon this morning. Normally, at the end of the service, we have a time where we ask our leaders to go to the, to the sides of the room and, and we sing a song and we say, if you have something to pray about, go pray with our leaders. We're going to take a little more time for that this morning. Because I believe that the very first thing that we do as participants in the ministry of Jesus is that we become people of prayer. Prayer sensitizes us to the needs of the world around us. Prayer causes us to realize that we are not all that. Prayer causes us to realize that we do not have the power to deal with the stuff of this world. Prayer calls us into community and helps us realize that we are to do this life together to bear one another's burdens, to love one another, to encourage one another. In fact, Jesus even said when he drove the money changers out of the temple, he said, my father's house is to be called a house of prayer. And so if we are going to do the and now what of the ministry of Jesus, if we're going to live past Advent and past Christmas morning, we've got to be people of prayer. I consider one of my most important roles in working with our students is to help our young men and women know how to pray. 
And so this morning, in just a moment, I'm going to ask our, our, our leaders to go to the sides, and I'm going to ask us to pray with them. Now, sometimes when we say go to the sides if you want to pray, we're going, I don't know what to pray about. Let me give you some possibilities this morning. One, very, very poignant, very clear, very obvious. Even the scripture talks about us being people who are rebuild cities and ruins. The storms in Dallas have impacted a number of us in different ways. Some of you have family and friends who barely escaped the storms. Some of you have family and friends who didn't escape. They were impacted immediately. All of us are able to see those pictures and realize that there is a place not far from here that has changed drastically this morning. And so perhaps when we had this time of prayer, maybe go to one of our leaders and ask and pray with them specifically about people that you know and love, maybe about people you don't know that were impacted by the storms in Dallas. Um, it says we're to be people of reconciliation. Maybe there's just something, a relationship that just needs to be made right. And you don't really know how to get there. The way to begin is by acknowledging that there's a problem. And maybe you just want to have pray with one of our leaders for a time of reconciliation and things are made right. Um, maybe you're still in a mode of anticipation. Maybe you're looking at this coming year and you're excited about the changes that are available, the things that are coming in 2016, and you want to just pray with one of our leaders about that. Either way, and you have probably lots of other things that you can pray about. For just a few moments, we're going to sing a song. We're going to have our leaders stand on the side. And this is the time where we begin joining with and partnering with Christ. This is the time where we begin looking past Advent and we begin to answer the question of, now what? Um, so I'm going to give our leaders a chance to, to go ahead and go to the to sides. And Brian's got one song, he's got another one, if, if enough of us respond. Um, but I really want to encourage you uh, to take advantage of this opportunity for just a few minutes to step into the, and now what, and pray with our leaders about the things in your life and the life of this family. And if uh, some of our folks are still praying and you feel free to continue praying, don't let my words get in the way of that. I just prayed uh, with Michael O'Brien over here because I, I did something that I, I, I'm frustrated with myself because I talked about city in ruins and the, the destruction and often I see the physical but I pray that we have eyes to see beyond the physical. That we as people who are seeking to be and now what people. That we will have eyes and ears that will go beyond what's readily in front of us. But that we will have eyes and ears to see the deep needs and hurts and longings of one another. And be people empowered by the Spirit that will rebuild and restore 
and bring renewal. Isaiah 62 continues, and these are my final words this morning. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be known as desolate. Israel knew destruction. Israel knew what it was to be on the outside and to be downcast and broken. And these words from Isaiah say, I have a new season. There is a new season for you. And you will be given a new name. As we close out this year, and as we look at 2016, we call upon the God who put on flesh, who dwelt among us, who still lives among us, and who is coming back in glory. We call upon Him to give us a new name. And those places in our heart where we have known brokenness and emptiness this year, we call on the Lord to give us a new name. One that is no longer barren or forsaken, but that we will now be known as blessed. That we will now be known as His. In the final hours of 2015, May Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, dwell richly among you. May He empower you to live beyond the Christmas season and to live as people who participate in exactly what He came here to do. We serve a great and powerful God. A God who said... I will not stand off among, uh, from these people, but I will put on flesh and I will live with these people. We're going to sing our final song, uh, our invitation song. Um, and we'll go ahead and have you stand again. Um, if you need anything, if there's some unfinished business that you want to take care of with one of our elders or or anyone, please do that. And may God bless you as you close out this year.